0: This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Ellen. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Ah, my pleasure. Ah. Um, Let's get right into it. I would like you to tell
0: me a little bit about your teaching context. So what kind of school, how many years you've been teaching, subjects, etc, etc.
1: Okay, so uh, currently I work in a quite large city-state high school Um, and our cohort is really very diverse. We have students who have grown up in the city um, and we have a lot of international students and uh, students who have immigrant parents or who have um, parents who work in tertiary institutions. So it's a very, very diverse cohort that we work with. Uh, Personally, I've been a teacher for seven years this year but I've only been teaching formally for four and a half Mm -hmm. Um, and within that within that time I actually after three years in a small country school I resigned and uh, went back to went back to university to do my my master's Um, I I wanted to do something completely selfish, really, so I decided to do a Master's of Creative Industries in Creative Production and Arts Management, Mm -hmm. which was one of my many interests that I wanted to do. You have a drama teacher
0: background. I I do.
1: I teach drama and English, Mm -hmm. and uh, this year, for the first year, I'm actually teaching within an international baccalaureate program, so I'm teaching theory of knowledge Mm -hmm. as well. So you did the master's kind of following that creative uh, vein? Definitely, definitely. So I um, I knew that I didn't want to do a master's in education. I, I was basically tossing up between a master's in creative writing because I'm an author as well. Um, but And it was almost like a toss of a coin going between creative production or creative writing. I felt I could still write without a master's, but I didn't feel I could produce or manage theatre or a theatre company without um, going down that path and, and, yeah. and learning those units and the particulars within that industry. Yeah. Cool. What can I ask, was there a particular reason you didn't want to do
0: a master's in education? What was um, going on for you in that, at the end of that third year when yeah. you were making that
1: choice? Um, well, one of the main things that was going on is I had been on continuous contract for three years. So originally it were, I came into the school, uh, week six of mm-hmm. term one yep. and it was originally just a four week contract. Which then turned into a semester contract, which was then a year, and I basically, for three years, was just um, was just kept around mm-hmm. for six months upon six months upon six months, and I was giving everything to this to this job. I was working long hours. I was doing every co curricular extracurricular mm-hmm. pedagogy team differentiation team that I could get my hands on in order to try to prove that I was worth permanency. Mm. I, I had lost kind of that sense of worth um, as a teacher. Um, and I felt I just needed something new. Um, at that point, I was 23. And it, I, I felt like I was a lot older though. Yeah. And so I just needed something that was going to give me some skills that were outside of education yeah. because really everything, I just felt like, you know, miss all the time yeah. and I needed something and so because you had gone from school to uni back to school basically. yeah definitely yeah. yeah. So I needed that break and uh, when you look back on it it probably wasn't actually a break I was I was working in retail actually I, I completely gave up education yeah. for a year and a half yeah um, I was at university doing five units I w- I went to Singapore as part of a study group so I was working doing, very hard I was still doing um, a lot of work and putting in a lot of hours very similar hours to when I was teaching but it still felt like a break yeah um, and that was quite different and quite strange but it, it it was it was just wonderful to have a completely different lens and a completely different focus yeah and it was kind of my year and a half of being of, of being selfish so after that 18 months masters mm. what happened um, it was really uh, I assumed straight away that I was going to get some sort of uh, creative industries job mm. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the climate that we live in. <laughs> um, so uh, it was a fantastic coincidence, actually. Two weeks after I handed in my uh, final assessment, um, I started applying for teaching jobs again. Yeah. Um, originally, I was just, you know, just wanting to basically start making good money again, mm. um, wanting to get out of that retail world and just get my name out there again. And um, I was contacted by the school that i'm currently working at so it was only a, a kind of fortnight break went in for an interview a couple of days later got a call and i was in there for a maternity contract and then yeah i was on the track to, to teaching again
0: cool and you've been at that same school for then the last 18 months that yeah right? i have yeah.
1: so it's this is the start of my fourth semester there so by uh, in june july i would two have been years. there for two years yeah mm. yeah
0: so tell me about some of the challenges that you have faced in terms of um, maintaining a work-life balance. W- what's changed now? Obviously, you've had a, a couple of different teaching experiences mm. and um, a big break. Yeah. I know that you have changed your approach a little bit to uh, work, your um, lifestyle around work. Yeah, definitely. So tell me about the challenges and, and some of those things that you've changed.
1: Mm. I think um, – initially when I came into, into teaching, I, I kind of had this idea in my head, which I think is something that a lot of people have, is it was going to be my forever career. Mm. And that was both a safe thought, but it was also absolutely terrifying. Mm. It's, and I felt like I was really just over committing. Mm. I was doing Um, obviously as a drama teacher, as an arts teacher, you do a lot of extracurricular things Mm. and, uh, and we always did a a musical every second year, even when it wasn't a musical year where you're doing about 70 hours a week. Sometimes Mm. you're doing weekends, camps, late nights. Mm. Um, even without that on a normal year, I was at school more than I was at home or, or doing things that I wanted to do. Mm. It was like my job was my life. Yep. And that in very itself, um, within that, I was having overcommitment, not just to my job, but also overcommitment to trying to tick all the other boxes at the same time. Mm. So trying to be, um, you know, a, a very, very present friend, trying to be a present daughter or sister or, or anything mm. like that, and just trying to give my time to other people. Mm. And at, by the end of the day, I was exhausted yeah. and Didn't really have any time for me, and it's it's still something that I'm trying to train myself out of. Even when I have, you know, an 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 hour or even half an hour of nothing to do, I'm like, oh, I need to be filling it with something. Mm. It's that idea of needing to be doing something, needing to be busy, achieving something all the time. Mm. Yeah.
0: So, I'm curious, when you were at school, Mm. what kind of a student were you? Oh. High achiever. Yeah. Um,
1: I went picking up that
0: thing. Oh yes.
1: <laughs> and you know what? It's it's very common with with teachers as well. We were the good students. Yeah. You you hardly ever see. Um, I think it's less common to find the, it, the rebellious kid. Exactly. Grows up to a and um, I went to a small school. I was a big fish in a small school, and um, there was there was a bit of upheaval within my uh, family and personal life during mm-hmm. that time. So I think that. I definitely kind of buried myself in yeah. my schoolwork as a student, yes. which is why I did so well. Um, and I think that's another trait in yeah. teachers as well. We, it's kind of our out is our yeah. work because it is so busy and it takes up so much time. Um, but, yeah, definitely I was very, very um, committed to doing well and achieving as much as possible and getting all those. Um, the gold stars. Yeah, the gold stars. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And so you brought that uh,
0: approach into your early teaching career.
1: Definitely, um,
0: yeah. Which I, first year, there is a lot to learn anyway. Mm. There is a lot to achieve. There is a lot to prove. Often you feel because you're a first year, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's an ele- going to be an element of that anyway, but especially when you've come from that kind of an academic background and, and a sense of um, achievement being the mm. only way to be enough
1: exactly and I think something that a lot of first years don't realize and is that you know a lot of your failure is going to happen there Mm. and when you're a high achiever that is the worst thing you don't want to fail um but it's part of our job is to figure out um what works for you as a teacher because really your only experience has been what you have seen within lectures uh, uh, what you have seen your pract teacher do and then you know possibly some time as an intern with a class that you have had so in your first year you're really developing your own style it's it's, um, you have to fail. You do. I mean, you do. It's, and it's not failure; it's it's just learning yeah. new ways that don't work exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think we get afraid of saying the word failure as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's it's a concept that is starting to become um, a bit more popular now. It's yes. I hate the word, but they use learning failure. Oh, I've never heard that before. Oh, it's a terrible word. It was um, <laughs> one of those things that comes up in PD. I was like, really, we can we can do better than that yeah. learning Yeah, but um, yeah. failure is not a, a bad. Thing, But when you are coming from that background where you have achieved and, you know, there, there, nobody gives you a seven or an A or a distinction or anything after your first year of uni, after about, um, you know, 16 years yeah. of formal education. Yes. That's a yeah. big change. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So when did you figure that out? I think I, I honestly think I figured that out when I left. And when I had space, so um, I, in my first school, I was there for that three years and I was, I was getting burnt out and I was doing so much and I just felt like, um, you know, I had wonderful time with my kids and with my students and I made some great um, professional relationships with my colleagues and everything as well. But there, there was that you know, I felt like I was kind of stuck in this Groundhog Day, mm. almost like the same thing all the time. Especially and you're stuck if you're, in that.
0: Especially if you're in a small town as mm. well yep. where when you go home, as you said, you go to the shops, you'll miss. Yeah. You, nobody – Yeah. Um, Everybody knows who you are. You can't mm. escape it. There's that sense of almost claustrophobia. Yeah, definitely. Um, and not really being able to ever properly relax because it, you're always on show. It's big
1: brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if if one of your students isn't there, one of their parents, one of their brothers or sisters, yes. you know, it, it, somebody's going to see you and, and expect you to act how you are within your class. Mm. And the fact of the matter is that, I have my professional demeanor and then I have mm. how I act with my friends and how I act with my in the staff room, which yeah. is very different to the classroom, Absolutely. and how I act with my family. And because I was in that situation where I could not get away from that, um, it, it, was, it was claustrophobic. And so I needed that space. Um, I needed to get away from that. And I needed to get back into an environment where I could start to figure out what it was that I wanted and and for me that has always been um education but education for myself so university and also I needed to do a bit of travel as well so um prior to that I hadn't gone anywhere I'd gone from school straight into uni straight into work because that was what you were supposed to do Mm. and so I had spent so almost 20 years Mm. doing what I was supposed to do and, and and then at the end of it I was like oh well not everything has fallen into place why is that yes. you know I've been a good girl um but yeah so for me it was definitely going out and seeing more of the world mm. and and experiencing that as well yeah. I was it was just a little bit later for me than for some awesome. other people mm. Mm.
0: and what in that 18 months off with mm. a little bit of
1: travel yeah. and as you said you were working very hard
0: at uni you know you're like working a part-time job to support yourself as well as doing yeah, definitely. a thesis and stuff um but it felt like a break. Yeah. When you then went back into teaching, obviously, you'd had some distance. You'd had some space mm. to figure some of that out. Yeah. What was different when you went back to that next contract, which eventually turned into a, some job security for yeah, you, thankfully. exactly. What was different
1: in your approach? For me, it was the fact that having that experience of, of doing my master's, going to see more of the world... I realized that I, I'm a small part of something that was bigger mm. and I wasn't just um, completely um, school-centric mm. anymore where it was okay to to step outside of that yeah. um, and my my goals and and my approach to teaching definitely changed just because of having life experience mm. um, at the same time I realized that I could I could still be a good teacher without dedicating my entire life to it, mm. and um, it's important. it is it's definitely you know uh, you see these you see these movies and I was like well you know what I'm not I'm not Dead Poet Society I'm yeah. not Hillary Swank or Michelle Pfeiffer or Mr Holland's Opus or whatever mm. um, because when you have a look at the backstories they're not actually very pleasant like yeah, yeah. the the whole class achieved this and the school got this money but then. Their, their personal lives really quite suffered for it, yeah. which is I, I don't want to be a martyr. I want to be a good teacher. And I think there's a difference between that. Absolutely. Um, where um, if I'm happy, my students are happy. And and you're better able to
0: help the ones that aren't happy. Exactly. If you're happy and healthy and whole, you're much better equipped to be able to deal with the challenges that come. Definitely either from the students in your class or just from the job.
1: As opposed to having, you know, six hours sleep because I wanted to to tweak this one thing on this presentation or this or that. And it's, you know, it's important to show imperfection because it's a part of life. Mm. And I know that my students appreciate that and I appreciate them giving me a bit of a break with that as well. It's just, um, yeah, it's realising that I can... I can be very very good at what I do I can enjoy what I do without being what I do yes and um, once I started to realize that and I approached um, my the way that I am within my school in that way it, it's, it's it's a weight that comes off and you can allow yourself to enjoy life outside of it mm-hmm. and enjoy work and then it becomes you know a kind of it, it becomes a happier place to be It doesn't mean you don't have stressful days or you know, reporting time or assessment time or verification or anything isn't less stressful. It just means that you allow yourself to separate Mm. from that. And if a if a student fails something or a student doesn't get a great mark or something like that, then it's not the end of the world. Mm. It's like, all right, well, we go back to the drawing board. How can we help you with this? Mm. Um, And what I say to my students, especially my senior students as well, is I'm going to put in the same amount of effort that you put in. So if you work completely committed to this, I will help you out. I will answer those emails. I will give you extra time. But there, especially for senior students, is a bit different for junior students. But my investment in this should not be more than you because mm. you're the one who is actually getting something out of That's it. That's right. Yeah, and um, you know what? that can be sometimes controversial because um, you know teachers are supposed to be these pillars of society that help everyone achieve and you know hands arms around America kind of thing but that's the reality of it I'm still a person I still have my needs and wants as well and um it's it's that thing of it's okay to be selfish because in the end you know like we said to come back to that if I'm happy then my students are happy and also the
0: being the pillar of society that helps everyone achieve does not actually mean you have to be a martyr. Mm. Um, and even that idea of being selfish is looking after your needs to make yourself well. Mm. Is it really selfish if it means you're able to turn up to, to do? the next day yeah. and, and give from a place of um, strength and wholeness as mm. opposed to a place of depletion and I have to, an obligation? If you're able to turn up and give from that more positive place mm. because you looked after yourself, yeah. You're gonna be more effective. You're gonna make a bigger difference. Definitely. You're gonna be just a better person to be around. Exactly. So
1: is it really that selfish? Exactly. You know, it's just it's just being being human in mm. the end, mm. which um you know, there's there's a reason why there is this kind of general myth that teachers power down at the end of the day, and and students are really kind of confused as to why you're in the outside world because yes. we have perpetuated oh, aren't you in a box under the desk and yeah. the staff Because we have perpetuated this idea that you know we can't we, we live at school. Yeah, <gasps> um, so it's it's breaking out of that, and and it's a more modern approach to teaching because there are so many stresses and so many expectations you need to be able to deal with it and everyone has their own way but um, You need to make sure that you are healthy physically and mentally and emotionally to be able to do your job well It's it's what's expected of anyone in any career. So you said um, Everybody, you know
0: looks after themselves in different ways. Mm. What is your way? What works for you? What's your
1: self-care?
0: uh signature system?
1: Mm. Well, for me, it's, it's making sure that I am physically well, first off. So for me, that's having a a really quite healthy diet and exercising. So I make sure um, that I am going to the gym or doing some form of quite vigorous exercise, at least five or six times a week. Now, I wasn't always like that, especially in my first two years of teaching. And I realise now when I had to make that um, that kind of life change. Um, and it was probably in my last year of, of teaching at the small country school, I completely changed my approach to health. Mm-hmm. So I started exercising, you know, quite a lot. I started eating more healthy, cutting out processed foods, uh, all of those things. And I mean, that's kind of popular, the fitspiration sort of mm-hmm. thing that people have these days, but it's I'm... also the way our grandparents ate. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I know clean eating who'd have thunk it um but uh for me to kind of adopt that way um you know there were the things like losing weight and 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 stuff like that which i did i dropped quite a bit of weight but for me it was just having more energy and and feeling better and feeling more energetic and and then i was able to bring that into my classroom which is especially important for a drama teacher um so definitely having those things. So my physical health, so exercise, food, definitely important. Um, for me, it's also it's making time to do the things that I, I love as well and, and deciding what I'm going to do um, to make sure that I'm actually enjoying my life. So um, I, I love creative writing, so making sure that I actually put aside time to to add another chapter to the novel that I'm working on or write a short story or to start writing a play or something like that. Mm. Cause that's, what's important to me. Mm. Um, so uh, also it was important to me, especially being so restricted within that kind of small town community was to be social mm. as well, to actually get out there and, and meet people and be around people. And I, I, um, I like to kind of t- kill two birds with one stone. So I would, implement that in with my exercise so I would do group exercise um classes or choosing and it kind of sounds a little bit like survivor but choosing the people that I want to be with and surrounding myself with good good people who who make me feel good about myself as well and it's not necessarily like survivor because nobody's getting kicked off the island (laughs) they're just maybe not getting as many calls um but yeah so a surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good and who don't make you feel guilty for not staying at home and planning out a lesson yes. or, or something like that. Um, but also, I mean, my teacher brain, it is hard to, to turn it off. So I, I use it for, for my actual, um, personal life. Mm-hmm. So because time is a precious commodity, I make sure that I organize my time. Yeah. So I, um, I, use a bullet journal and um, thank you Pinterest for showing me that. And um, when it is stressful, I will plan out my day. So I know exactly what time I wake up and when I'm going to go to the gym and I plan out how long it's going to take me to get to school. Am I going to need to eat breakfast at school? So I'm going to organize all of that. So um, being able to have those structures in place and even though it may seem a little bit, you know, obsessive compulsive, it allows me to be creative and chaotic within those structures. And that's how oh, I, I work. That. I need boundaries, but I'm also creative. So if I have those boundaries, then I can go crazy within yeah. it. Yeah. So um, the meal prep also kind of helps me with staying healthy as well. So I know what kind of fuel I'm putting into my body. I'm not tempted to go and get the 3 p.m. munchies and totally pound you know a whole bag of chips or something like that yeah Um, and I'm the kind of person where with I actually feel really relaxed when I'm cooking or baking or making food I know that's the complete opposite for some other people it freaks them out but um, being able to do that allows me to kind of just go into robot mode and 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 chill out while I'm preparing and organizing for the week so yeah it's a combination of different things But really just, even if you have to pen in, all right, I have an hour between 5.30 and 6.30 to watch Netflix.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, then at least you have that hour and you're doing something that you want to do and you don't feel guilty um, because, you know, you've dedicated the other two hours to working on unit plans or or reports or risk assessments or whatever. So it it can sometimes seem a bit the opposite, organizing fun time, Yeah, yeah. but it means you actually get it yeah. as opposed to just being within this complete chaos. And then by the end of the day, it's eight o'clock, you haven't had dinner, you haven't organized anything. And then you're back at square one.
0: Well, and I liken it to the, you know, the financial planning idea of paying yourself first.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: If you wait until the end of the month before you've put aside money to save, there you will be no him. money. Left. Exactly, uh, exactly. But if you put aside that, that at the beginning then you know it's there so if you're scheduling those activities that you know are good for your physical and mental and emotional yeah. health then you know you're getting them in and you're not gonna get to the end of the day and have have no time left
1: exactly mm. and um so this week I know that it's going to be absolutely hectic so I spent Sunday um doing complete meal prep for the yeah. other week it took me and I didn't even really time it, but I put on a movie and then when that movie was done, I put it in another movie. So two movies time, I had lunch, dinner, snacks, smoothies, all different things prepped, ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the end it's three hours on a Sunday and I've probably taken away, um, you know, five to 10 hours within my working week Mm -hmm. that I can now do whatever I want. Yeah.
0: Plus Um, you
1: get rid of that decision fatigue at the end
0: of the day of I'm exhausted, what am I gonna have for dinner? I can't exactly even make a and good choice, so I'll go through the drive through.
1: Exactly. And I'm a big I'm a big Pinterest head as well. I love it. It has changed my life. But it it allows me to get a bit creative and um, you know, I try recipes. If I really like something then I'm I'm happy to eat it five times yes. for a week. It's that idea that I don't have to have a different gourmet meal every day. Mm. I just have to have something that is nutritious and that I, I am gonna be able to keep down Carry as on. well yeah. and um yeah so that allows me to kind of plan my life as well it's that organization mm. so I spend a bit of time organizing my board so that I could just go there and go okay I need breakfast lunch dinner boom 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 compile a yeah. list go shopping make it and yeah. it's done um so yeah it's it's making sure that I have that organization in place if it doesn't follow it to a t it's not the end of the world but um then I allow myself to kind of get back on track
0: I think the the biggest thing I love hearing from um, teachers who, especially not always have had a break and come back to teaching, Mm -hmm. but have sort of figured out some of the ways they were maybe sabotaging their health and well being in their first couple of years of teaching.
1: Exactly. Um, Because, you know, when I left, it was not my intention to come back mm. at all. Mm. I thought, "No, I'm done." You're not I'm... the first person to Ex- have told me that. Exactly. And I was like, "Oh, great. I'm that I'm that 30% of teachers who teach for 3 years and then leave the field." Mm. But um I I I actually quite enjoy it now because it's not my life. Yes. It is my job and I really like my job and I love my students and mm. the and the people that I work with. And it's a lot different to when I was you know, in those first couple of years, I was like, this is, this is the be all and end all. And everything else is if I have time or if I have energy. Um, and there's never time or energy left. Exactly. If
0: you, if you approach it that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I feel there's, there's a lot less weight, there's a lot less pressure and I can enjoy it more. And it allows me to really appreciate those good things. So I had, Um, One of my students last year who was in year 12, at the beginning of the year, she had no idea what she wanted to do Mm -hmm. at all. She was tossing up being a baker or being a paramedic. Mm -hmm. And then we had spent a year and a half together in English, working together, getting her to to the best of her ability as well. We clicked as well as you do with some students. And then by the end of the year, she told me that she had decided to go into teaching. Beautiful. I know. And and she sent me this email over the holidays and say, saying, you know, I just wanted to let you know that working with you has inspired me to do this. And that is one of the most wonderful things about our career is that there are some people who will work for 40 years and, you know, the only thing that they have to show for it is a paper trail and a couple of reports, whereas um, technically I've been working within this field, if we detract that break that I had, for four and a half years and I've been able to make an impact mm. on, on, on this student. Some people go their entire career wanting to do that. Yeah. So I could retire tomorrow and I, at least I would know that I've done something. Yeah. And that is the beautiful thing about what we do about our job is that we affect so many people. And even if it is, you know, a, a, a child deciding what they're going to do when they leave school or, um, you know having the first smile that they've had that week because yeah. you cracked a joke in class yeah. or finally being able to tell time after after 3 years because you were able to break it down in a different way you you've made an impact and you have left your mark on the world in some way you can say i was here yeah yeah and that's 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 the payoff that's S- the rewarding part exactly what a beautiful place to end it I oh so lovely no problem
0: Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher well-being to create thriving school communities. Don't forget there's also a review competition to celebrate the start of the podcast. So if you leave a review in the iTunes store before the 31st of March 2017, you'll go into the running to win some great prizes. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash self-care for teachers and on Instagram my handle is at self care for teachers. So come along and follow me there.